When you look at the history, it's so intriguing just to walk along that path and see what Jesus did throughout this week. The people he talked to, the people that he blessed and touched and and impacted for eternity. But um, why is it that sometimes God just doesn't under uh, why we don't understand God? Isaiah 55, 9 is perfect uh, answer for that. And here's what it says. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher than so are. My ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So if you've ever wondered why sometimes you can't understand God, it's because he's smarter than us. <laughs> he doesn't talk like us, and some of his ways just don't make sense to us. But that begs the question is, uh, just because we don't understand God, does that make him a liar? Whew. That's kind of a, a touchy subject, right? When we, look at, when we look at the promises of God, the Bible is full of the promises of God. It's basically impossible to count them. People have tried. Some, many people come up with around 3,000 promises in the Word of God, uh, both combined of Old Testament and New Testament. Others have counted 7,000. Herbert uh, Lockyer wrote a book called All the Promises of the Bible and claims that there is 8,000 promises in the Word of God. Um, I haven't actually personally read his, his, uh, book, but he claims that there's 8,000. That's a lot of promises, right? Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And that's really what I want to look at with regards to the Messiahship of Jesus this morning. Um, and really reflect on that for, for a few moments this morning. And it's really, can God be trusted? We say yes quickly, but in the midst of it, when you are on your face and you feel like you are swimming through muck, can God be trusted? Absolutely, he can. But we all know that we walk through some of those moments where we cry out, we look up and we say, God, where are you? We talked a little bit about that last week. Why is it disciples had such a hard time accepting Jesus' claim as Messiah? That he would have to die, then be raised again three days later. It's really because there was a common thought amongst the Jewish believers that we're going to explore this morning for a few minutes. Ezekiel 37. Um, how many of you guys remember the passage of scripture where where God takes Ezekiel to this valley of dried up bones. And I've really been looking at this scripture this week because it's such an incredible um, visual picture of what God, he's really speaking directly to the nation of Israel, but I believe that he's speaking to us today. And uh, he takes Ezekiel and Ezekiel 37 to this valley of dry bones. And he says, I want you to speak to the dry bones and tell them to, I want you to prophesy to them and tell them to live again. And all of a sudden, these bones start rattling, and they come together, and all of a sudden, sinew and skin start coming, and all of a sudden, they're, they're there in full form, and, and then God says, and Ezekiel says, they have no breath, and God says, prophesy breath into them. And he prophesied the breath into them, and all of a sudden, you have this living um, beings that represent Israel. A little later in, in uh, Ezekiel 37, verse 
24 and 25, it says, My servant David will be king over them, speaking of these dry bones, and they will have one shepherd, and they will follow my laws and be careful to keep my decrees, and they will live in the land I gave to my servant Jacob, in the land where my ancestors live. They and their children and their children's children will live there forever, and David, my servant, will be their prince forever. There's another passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter 2. It says this, this is what Isaiah said of Amos' son concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established the highest of the mountains. And it will be exalted above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. Many, many people will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of God of Jacob. And he will teach us his way so that he may walk in his paths. The law will go out of Zion and the Lord and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he will judge between the nations and he will settle disputes for many people. Listen to this. And they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will not take up sword against nations, nor will they train for war anymore. So according to the common thought of the day, it was that Jesus was certainly coming to set up this earthly kingdom and be a victorious hero that would throw off this Roman rule and reestablish the Jewish community. And so when Jesus shows up and lives for 32 years and ministers with these, these men for several years, and then all of a sudden starts saying, I must go to Jerusalem and die at the hands of the religious leaders, and I will raise three days later, what's to be thought? Because Ezekiel 37 in their mind, spoke of a, an eternal kingdom that would be set up and Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one, would rule and reign for eternity. Or how about this kingdom? I don't know about you, but I don't see piles of guns being hammered out into shovels and forks and, and, and all kinds of tools, right? We still have mass murder. We have no peace in this, in this world. It's when you look at um, these beauty competitions, what do you want in the world? I want world peace. You know, it's a beautiful thought, but it will not exist until Jesus fulfills that. And so we come back to this thought, does God keep his promises? If, if he said that Jesus was Messiah and we have yet to see these things come to flourishing, are we just still waiting? Mark 9, 30 through 37 says, they left the place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And after three days, he will raise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They didn't understand because they had this preconceived idea of what Jesus was coming to do. And it certainly was not to die on a cross. Come on, Jesus, let's bring fire and brimstone. Let's throw off the Roman rule. That's what they wanted to hear. Let's find our spears and our swords and let's go to town. That's what they wanted. They wanted, they wanted a war. They wanted to take out Rome. Rome was oppressive. And it brought so much evilness and ugliness to the Jewish society. It goes on to say in, in Matthew 9, they came to Capernaum when he was in the house and he asked them what were you arguing about on the road but they kept quiet because the way uh the way they had argued about who was going to be greatest see it, it it showed 
even then that the disciples were vying for, <laughs> well, let me be the tax collector. Let me be the, the main person that is in charge of the army. And let me be the person that is head fisherman. Whatever it was, they were vying for authority in the kingdom that God would set up. And they were sitting there arguing about who would actually be the greatest in that kingdom that Jesus was going to set up. You know what he does? He, he says, sit down. And he called the 12 disciples. He says, anyone who wants to be first must what? Be very last. Boom. Mind blowing because those disciples are like, this isn't what I expected. This isn't the Messiah that I wanted. I wanted a victorious ruler and king. I wanted someone that would come in and throw off these Roman oppressors. And he took a child and he placed, uh, and he placed it among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. The fighting amongst the disciples showed that they had no clue as to what Jesus really was on earth for. But then him bringing that child and saying, be like one of these, such innocence and simplicity. He said, be like a child. Church, it's time to go back to being like a child. Not that we're immature by any means. Not that we lack as a child does or need somebody to feed or clothe us or take care of us because God's going to do that for us. And I think that that's really what we're coming back to. Have the faith of a child. Don't allow your preconceived ideas about what you think God should be doing affect your faith and what he actually wants to do for your life. You see, the disciples already had this preconceived idea as to what Jesus was there to do. That They didn't fully, um, I don't think, fully experience every detail that Jesus wanted them to experience. Because they were always confused or they're always interested in trying to figure out what exactly is Jesus doing here, right? We see again in um, Matthew 16 that knowing but not knowing when Jesus came to the region of uh, Cicero Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? I spoke about this a few months ago. They replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Well, what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the Father who is in heaven. This morning we come to examine the Messiahship of Jesus. And if we were to look at Ezekiel and Isaiah, the prophecies there, we would be like Jesus. Or we would be like Peter. Is that we know who Jesus is supposed to be, but we're a little confused about the role that he actually fulfills. Peter is a perfect example of us, a man of God who desperately wants to be a blessing to, uh, to the people around him. But you know what? He oftentimes wound up with his foot in his mouth. Here, uh, he says the right things. He tells Jesus exactly who he is. But we find out that it's not because of his own wisdom or understanding. It's because God's revealed it to him. That's why Peter knew. Here's a question that we'll examine with the rest of our time together. Did Jesus fulfill all that was prophesied about him? You know, there was times that Jesus would say exactly what he was there for. Luke chapter four says, Jesus stands up and he picks up the, the, or they hand him the scroll of Isaiah and he 
goes to Isaiah 61 and it says, and he starts reading, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the freedom of the prisoners and recover the recovery of the sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eye of everyone in the synagogues were fastened on him. And he began, to, he began by saying to them, today, scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus did all of those things. He brought freedom. He set the captives free. He delivered people. He brought um, sight to the blind. He proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus did all of those things. There were other times that Jesus would say uh, what was going to happen, but he wouldn't be as direct about it. John 2, 18 through 19 says, the Jews were responsible. the Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to all of this? Jesus answered, destroy the temple and I will raise it again in three days. So, you know, the, the disciples listened to um, a lot of different stories that Jesus told, parables that he told. So t- sometimes when he, Jesus would speak, I think that the disciples were confused. Okay. Jesus, was this a, a parable that you're trying to tell us something that you're trying to explain to us? Or is this reality? That you're trying to tell us about. Did you know that Jesus through parables or through flat out just saying I'm going to die. Spoke of his death 20 times. Over 20 times. In the gospels. Jesus speaking 20 times. Luke 9.22 is one such example. And he said the son of man must suffer many things. And be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. I found that when things are mentioned a lot of times in the Bible, they're important. So for Jesus to talk about his death 20 times, church, this is the most significant thing in the entire Bible is Jesus' death and resurrection. Because it uh, fulfills his role as redeemer. And Isaiah also talks about that. There's a lot of prophetic that, that is spoken about Jesus in the book of Isaiah. And Jesus fulfilled and perfection, the role of redeemer here. But what happens when um, Jesus speaks to us and we kind of just don't get it, or God speaks to us? Here's what John 13, 7 and 19 says. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. John 2.22 says, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled uh, what he had said. Then they believed in the scriptures and the words of Jesus um, that he had spoken. A side note here is this. If you're struggling to uh, understand God this morning because he isn't making sense, maybe he's taken too long to respond, or maybe his answer was no, and you just don't like that answer. Hello? I want to encourage you this morning that the word of God is powerful. I actually wrote it up here. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So we have in its entirety the word of God. God still reveals things through this to us. His desire is that we would open it and that the truths of God would flow into us and we would have understanding.
That's what makes John 13, 7 and 19 and John 2, 22 so important is Jesus has already spoken. And if you're not getting it, open this up and say, God, reveal to me the truths that are in your word. Make them so that I understand them, Jesus. Reveal new truths to me that you desire for me to to understand and to have. And I want to encourage you that if you are struggling with not understanding God, or like I said, you're, you're not satisfied with the time frame in which God has already taken to answer your questions, I had asked that you would put a pause on your life this week during this holy week leading up to Easter, and that you would ask God to reveal himself to you like never before. And one of the things that you're going to have to do is that you're going to have to open this. Maybe for some of you, you might have to go like this. And you open it and you say, God, let me drink deeply of the words that are found in this life-giving book that is more than a book that has the ability to change my life. And if you would take this week and say, God, reveal to me the truths that are found in your words that I might greater understand who you are and your purposes for my life. God, bring to memory the things that I've read, even as a child, that you want to bring to clarity in my mind and my heart today. And I guarantee you this, if you come with such openness that God will reveal to you in the depths of your heart. And that the God that you seek will be found. And the God that doesn't make sense will start to make sense. You know, there's something beautiful about the rest of this in Luke chapter 9. It's a beautiful invitation by Jesus. He said to them, all whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. For who wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their self? Isn't it interesting that um, Luke chapter 9 happened before Jesus died on a cross? So you say, how did Jesus know he was going to die on a cross? Deuteronomy 21, 23 says, be sure to... Uh, to bury him the same day because anyone who is hung on a tree is under God's curse. You must not desecrate the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. As it is written, curse is everyone who is hung on a tree. You know, there was um, hundreds of scriptures that talk about point to Jesus being the Messiah. Jesus knew it. He invites his listener today saying, take up your cross. You will not be disappointed. We come back to this original question. Jesus, did he fulfill all of the, all that was prophesied about him? I want to preface this with a statement. And I want to say, this is um, the reason that I lacked understanding and gained a little insight this week is because I always said, well, Jesus did set up his kingdom, and it, 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 that is true. Jesus set up a spiritual kingdom when he was here. And we see um, God. That's how we see God. I, the, uh, this morning during 
prayer for, for the offering, I said, God, may this impact your kingdom because God's kingdom is here and now. But it also is more fulfilled in the future. And I'm going to get to that. Mind blown, okay? Um, I've read many times that talks about the kingdom of God. The mission is Jesus' mission, setting up the kingdom. And I, and I believe that we continue to experience that today. But Isaiah 61, Jesus, I read earlier Luke chapter 4, right? And um, go back to it real quick. Where are you, Luke? I lost it. There it is. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set, uh, sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and to recover the recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Isaiah 61 says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to the blind, uh, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Sounds exactly the same, right? However, it's not completed. And I kind of just had this aha moment this week. And it says in the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Have we experienced the judgment of God yet? No. And it's, it's interesting because in the day of the vengeance of God, he will comfort all who mourn. Those things don't really go hand in hand, do they? I want to experience vengeance so that my mourning turns to gladness. Hello. Here's why, um, here, here's why Jesus is continuing to fulfill his job as Messiah. It's because no day of vengeance has taken place. There's no gap in scripture in Isaiah They were expecting that the two of these things would happen at the same time. But according to Jesus, the day of vengeance would come later at another time. The second coming of Jesus, when Isaiah chapter 2 happens, and and swords will be turned into plowshares. When Jesus causes peace to rule and reign, it's talking about the millennial kingdom. It's, It's talking about second coming, Jesus coming, And bringing a literal kingdom to earth. We serve an awesome God. We serve a God that I I come back to this thing is we expect for things to happen in our time and on our time frame. And when they don't, we get disappointed. We get agitated. We get irritated. We get discouraged. But guess what? God does not work on our time frame. The day of the vengeance will take place when Jesus comes back in the second coming. In Ezekiel 37, those dry bones are going to rise up. I'm so, when I see that picture, I see these dry bones. And I think of the church. I talked about it on Friday. If you, if, if you weren't there on Friday, which I know that most of you weren't, you missed a good time of worship and some prayer uh, at the Nazarene Church on Friday. When I started talking to Stacy about prayer for Curry County, I had this picture of dry bones coming alive. There's a really great song right now that's out that talks about dry bones as well. Because when I think of the dry bones, I think of the state of the church. I think of the church that in many um, regards, the church is dry bones. 
a big pile of dry bones. I just think that the prophetic of God, thank you. I think of the prophetic of God breathing new life into our bones and giving us this breath. I just have this incredible picture. Easter comes once a year, but Jesus is always with us, church. And we celebrate once a year the death and resurrection. But I challenge you that the death and resurrection is for every day of the year, not just once a year. And these dry bones spoken of in Ezekiel 37, not now, but in the future. But I, this morning, want to proclaim that for our church, for Curry County, and for the church at large in general, that the dry bones would rise up. Ezekiel is specifically talking about the nation of Israel, but guess what? We've been given entry into that uh, family, haven't we? We're the the branch grafted in. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. I love grafted trees. You get more than one kind of fruit. We definitely don't get fruitcake, though. So that's a good thing. (laughs) But we are that grafted, we are that grafted branch, and we are going to experience alongside Israel, the the awakening of dry bones. God is saying, come back. But again, second coming. As Isaiah chapter two, second coming will be fulfilled. Ezekiel 37, the second coming that will be fulfilled. Isaiah chapter 61, the second part of verse two, and the vengeance of God to comfort all who mourn will come true. You see, Jesus fulfilled in perfection his role as Messiah. The word Messiah means the anointed one. Jesus was anointed to come as our redeemer. Because the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through who? Jesus Christ. And so without Jesus coming the first time to be our redeemer, there would be no hope for a second time as coming king and ruler and king, right? We wait with hopeful anticipation. We wait that Jesus would fulfill all that was spoken to him and continues, church, he continues to fulfill all that was spoken of him. Isn't that amazing? God, we thank you that you are a God that loves us. Father God, we prayed earlier, we, I talked earlier about those that are in, here, in this room that need to put their life on pause and, and to really dig down deep and, and have a little self-discovery this week. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in this room that needs that, that they would authentically take the time to search you out. And Lord, that they would be found by you. Lord, I pray that they would not be distracted by life's busyness or the other things in life that keep us distracted. But Lord, that they would hunker down, that they would, with their entire heart and being, that they would search out and desire to have truth and that you would reveal that truth to them and that that the scripture would come alive to them. And Father God, I, I pray, Lord, that in our in our discovery of who you are, Lord, that you would make your kingdom Revealed to us. Lord, your, your, your word says 
uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, reveal that process to us as we pray. May we pray the kingdom of God here and now. May we experience the kingdom of God here and now until Jesus comes back and reveals it in its entirety. Lord, may we, may we think spiritual kingdom-mindedness. May the way we live be kingdom-minded. May the way that we talk be kingdom-minded. May the way that we interact with other people be kingdom-minded. Your kingdom come here on earth right now, Jesus. May you reveal to us the greatness of who you are. And the awesomeness that it is and the simplicity of who we are, you chose to have relationship with us through your son, Jesus. Thank you for being a truth teller, God. Thank you for not being man who tells lies and who will disappoint. Thank you for being a God who keeps your promises. A God that loves us so much that you tell us truth, even when sometimes truth is hard to hear. And Lord, I pray that you would speak over each and every person in this room, revealing to them your plans and purposes for their lives. Your kingdom come, Lord. Amen.